an attitude and rest. Who remembers? Who was here? Back, back, most of y'all was here last week. Just as a little bit of a, of a review. Where is Jesus now? Remember, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Remember that? Remember? When he said, it is finished, he wasn't just making some great lines for an Easter drama one day, you know. It is finished. Oh, yeah, let's put that in Easter drama. No, he said, it's done. It's over with. Only reason he could say that was because it's finished. Everything God ever wanted to complete in you, everything was finished that day. We talked about how in the old covenant, the first tabernacle of Moses, the priest couldn't sit down. They couldn't sit down. There was no chair in the tabernacle. Every day they did the same thing. Every day they had to get up, do the same thing. Hebrews 10 and 11 says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But this man Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for all sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Who's ever heard that before? Wow. Well, who has ever heard that he makes us sit together with him in heavenly places? So if he's sitting, if he's sitting in heaven, if he's sitting in heaven waiting, and we're in him, seated with him, the Bible goes on to say, as he is, so are we in this earth. That means, with just a little bit of deducing, you ever, you ever deduce something in your noggin? Yeah. That if we're in him, and he's seated, and he's having a throne attitude waiting for his father God to make his enemies his footstools. That means we're in the same, same position as Jesus. That's good news, guys. That's it. That's the throne attitude. Jesus conquered everything that could ever come your way that you want around you. He conquered everything. Sin, sickness, disease, poverty. He rose from the grave. He returned to his father. And he just sat down. Sit down. He sat down. And the Bible says that we were raised together with him to newness of life. That's what it says. Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. No, so if Paul was crucified with Christ, that means me and you were too, Terry. We was all in him, by the way. We, every one of us. Ephesians 2 said he chose us in Christ before the world began. He looked in Jesus and said, I got to have more kids. Let me find me an Aaron. Let me find me a Terry. Let me find me an Emily. And in Christ, he found you. He chose you in Christ before the world began. Man, that's good. That right there makes somebody holler somewhere. He knows you. He's planned your life. He stacked the deck in your favor. My God, that's good. Just quick review, quick review, because i got more ground to cover. We know that God calls his rest his promised place. We see that in the old covenant that the children of Israel were slaves. They had a slave mentality. They got lost in the wilderness for a generation, 40 years. And their rest was to cross over the Jordan and take their place of promise. The only thing in the Bible, God says, fear that you don't enter into his rest. Only, the only time it says fear, fear, have fear that you don't enter into his rest. Everywhere else it says, fear not, my child, for I am with you. Be strong and courageous and fear not. But he does say fear that you don't enter in to your rest, which is his place of promise. Well, we talked about, we made a little silly joke about how 12 
12 spies went out. Two spies came back ready to fight giants. But I thought we were trying to find a place of rest. Rest does not mean you won't have difficulty. Rest does not mean you won't have a re resistance. Okay? Remember, rest is a place of promise. God's place of promise. And we posed the question, which side would have you been on? Would you have been on the Joshua and Caleb team? It's like, I eat giants for breakfast. Uh, would, you, would you have that? Yeah. Giants. What giants? Show me a giant. And I'll show you my lunch. Would you have been that attitude? Or would you have been the grasshopper squad? It says, we were grasshoppers on our own side. That's what they said. Why grasshoppers? I mean, not grasshoppers. And we also kind of joked about how these were descendants of giants. And descendants of giants are usually bigger than their granddaddies. This is some big old burly dudes. Y'all just put it out there. I mean, they stunk here, and you know they did. And, you know, I got to poke around and see, Lord, he talks to me, especially when, and it's, it hurts my heart to see my family leave. I don't like to see them go. It makes me sad. I'm left with just a dog, you know, and, 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 and Chinese. That's what we're kind of having, Chinese, this, <laughs> this, these suppers, you know. I got one more night of Chinese. In fact, I bought Chinese and, and, and down here at the Lucky Panda. You ever been to the Lucky Panda right over here by Publix? Lay is so sweet. She said, you buy, you buy a lot of Chinese. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm doing this. Because, <laughs> see, we went there the other night, and Vanessa, my wife, is just a mess. She never met a stranger. In fact, she used to hear my preaching. If anybody needs a rest, my woman needs a rest. Um, you can't sit down. So she's telling everybody, I'm going to leave him, and he's going to get hungry, and he's going to come buy your Chinese food. And she's just, just going all off in the world. So I went in, and I bought a big old sack of Chinese food last night. She says, you buy all this food for you? And I said, yeah. And she said, you need, you need to eat, eat some tonight and come back tomorrow. You need fresh food. You need fresh food. And I said, I got a refrigerator. You know, I can put this stuff in the refrigerator. It'll, it'll, it'll last. She said, you know, you, no, 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 no. You need fresh food. You need fresh food. You need fresh food. I said, it's, it's all good. It's all good. But when I'm by myself, the Lord talks to me. And last night, we were just kind of just talking about some stuff. And he showed me in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, when they finally crossed over, you and giants were scared of them. He says that their hearts sank. Look at it, Joshua 5, chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, when all them kings heard about how the God of Israel shut down that river, the river Jordan, and all those people walked across on dry land, their hearts sank inside them. So who's the bully now? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the giants were scared of them. And that's a key right there to understanding about entering into your rest is you may think you're a grasshopper, grasshopper, but your enemy, you make your enemy's heart sink because they know, they, they might know more about your, your God's protection and strength than you do because the giants on the other side of Jordan, hearts sank. Now, could they have walked in there 40 years before that and still whooped a knot on them giants? Yeah, they could have, and they could have entered into their rest. And it also went on that same chapter that that was the first day they ate food from their promised land and manna was no more. That day, Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So the Bible talks about that the promise of rest is still in effect, but there's a key, there's a couple of keys to keep us from entering into this rest. And one, one, of, one, of, those, one of those things is having a hard heart. 
I know it sounds silly, but that's what he says. He says, today, if you hear his voice, there's the first key, and do not harden your heart as in rebellion and realize that your problems are not bigger than what God is saying about your situation, you will enter his rest. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? All right, so that's a little bit of review. So, have a thrown attitude and rest, part duh, part two. All right. So, yeah, I'm good. It's just 7.30. I'm going to try to get you right here by 8 o'clock. To kind of inspire me to preach, I, I, I listened back at my old sermons, and I found a sermon I preached mama in 2007. That thing was an hour and 18 minutes long. Why don't y'all just drag me out of here? I, I was just, ah, carrying a wah. And, and, and I kept telling everybody, it's just 7.24. Ah, it's 8.15. Wah. I'm just, I'm just acting like a fool. I said, these people should just drug me out by the hairs of my head and say, we'll hear from you later, boys. So I'm going to try to be brief. Y'all listening to me and make me hurry up. All right. He works when you rest. Why? What in the world does that mean? He works when you rest. When you rest, he works. Well, that don't make sense. Well, he does. He does. He, that's having the throne attitude. Yeah. Because, see, Jesus did the work. i got to say this before I get going. Do you realize Jesus took on everything we did wrong? It's like God gave him credit. What? Credit for my mess. Credit for our mess, Aaron. And you know what else he did? He turned around and gave us credit for what Jesus did. Do you believe that? Who, believe, who believes that in this building? So if Jesus is resting his victory, guess whose victory that is as well? It's ours. Because we're in him. We was in him when he was on the cross. We was in him when he was on the, in the grave. And like I've already said, we were raised together with him to newness of life. And we're in him and he makes us, he makes us to sit with him in heavenly places. He said, I don't understand that. We just got to believe stuff, stuff by faith. Get, get, get still and read John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus. He's talking about being in two places at one time. Do, 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 do. Jesus is talking about being in two places at one time. Get out of here. That's Star Trek stuff right there. But again, as he is, so are we in this world. And by golly, I'm in two places right now at the same time. Get, get out of here. I am. Are you? Well, Brother Terry, are you going to go to heaven when you die? We're already there, brother, ain't we? Ain't we? Ain't we? We're already there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's true. All right. He works when we rest. Let me tell you about a story about a guy in John chapter 5, Pool of Bethesda, by the Sheep Gate. And I ain't got all the revelation on that, but a Sheep Gate, by the Sheep Gate. What Jesus would do, he'd wait till this big feast come in Jerusalem, and he said, I'm going to go to town, and I'm going to find me some folks, because he knew there'd be a lot of people there in the feast, time of feast. So he went, he went to Jerusalem, the time of feast, and he stopped off at a little place called the Pool of Bethesda. And the Pool of Bethesda had five porches. The, the a message called enclaves, whatever that means. I, I think of it as, as a pavilion, a little place where, where people have a little shade, you know, but still you're outdoors. All manners of sick people were there, everybody. And what it was, I don't understand it, it's one of these deals where I think I could study it more and figure out more. They would wait till the water in this pool would be troubled. And the first one in is it, tag, you're it. The first one in that pool supposedly got healed. That's kind of weird, isn't it? I don't get all that, to be honest with you. I don't get all that. So Jesus comes up because he knows a lot of sick people are at the pool of Bethesda. And, and he's kind of incognito, and we'll show you that in a minute. So comes this guy who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. 38 years, laying on his bed, laying upon his bed. He says, and 
because I heard this as a kid, wilt thou be made whole? That's what it says in King James. That sounds so religious, don't it? But no, Jesus, it's hot wind air. Hey, you think you'll be healed today? Uh-huh. That's different, don't it? That's right where you understand it. Wilt thou be made whole? Ain't nobody talking like that. Ain't nobody talking like that. So he comes to this guy. He says, hey, will you be healed today? Well, this guy just goes off and says, man, I've been here 38 years, and I don't have no man to get me in the water. I don't have nobody to help me get in there. And he, was, he, was, he, was, he was messed up. I believe he was paralyzed either from the waist down or the chest down, okay? He said, I ain't got nobody to get me in the water. Somebody already beats me to it. Well, what's so beautiful? Jesus said, take up that bed you got right there and walk. And immediately, immediately, John chapter 5, verse, verse 12. And they, I, no, I'm sorry. There it is. Verse 11. Verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 8. Jesus said, rise up and take your bed and walk. Just pick up that bed and start carrying it. And immediately the man was made well. He found his man, didn't he? He didn't have no man to put him in the water, but he found a man. He found a man that could do better than that. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. It was the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath. And if you were a Jew, you didn't move furniture on Sunday. You, you didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? You don't do that. If you're a Jew, you don't move furniture on Sunday. But yet Jesus said, pick up the bed and start walking. The man didn't know it was Jesus. He said, man, he, think about this. Lord, show me. He didn't just start walking. I think he may have started out a little slow. 38 years you've been laying, just laying, 38 years. I'm going to do a little more walk. I think he's going to run. I think it took him about 20 yards, however far the sheep gate pulled with was from the temple. By the time he temple, he's running with a bed in his hand on the Sabbath. And guess what? That's making folks just really upset. Really upset. So look at here in verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 11. Let's back it up. Let's work back to 10. The Jews said, therefore, to them, <laughs> it's like, now wait a minute. Thou knew this guy too. 38 years, you have had to have run into this guy laying, laying around. You, you, just, you just know him. I can be honest with you. I've seen the same folks kind of panhandling on some of these corners around here just in the last year. You know what I'm talking about? There's, there's one guy sits in a wheelchair in Bessemer. I, I, you know. They knew this guy. Now this guy is walking slash running with his bed in his hand. What would you have done? Man, what happened to you? you you're, the, you're the guy laying. No, no, they said, who said you could carry your bed on the Sabbath? Or better, I like this way. Why in the world, who, who said you could move furniture on the Sabbath? Don't you know it's our law? And this is what he said. He goes, the guy who made me well, <laughs> he said, take up your bed and walk. He didn't say where to go. Then they asked him, who said this? Verse 12, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the guy that was healed, he didn't know. Jesus had pulled back and withdrawn in the multitude of that place. I think he was healing everybody else over there too. I, I, I don't think nobody walked away sick that day at that place. I don't. Now, here's what's beautiful. Afterwards, Jesus was looking for him, and he found him in the temple. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? The guy went straight from the pool of Bethesda. He walked in 38 years, and he went to the temple. You know he's toting his bed. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> 
he's moving furniture, and he's bringing it in the temple. Okay? All right. For this reason, the Jews persecuted and sought to kill him. Kill him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. And this is where I want you to see he works when we rest. My father, in verse 15, has been working until now, and I have been working. The message translation says, my father has been working straight through, and so am I. It was Sabbath. Yes, it was Sabbath. But God was working. God was helping. God was taking. The word Sabbath and rest are like cousins in the Greek. To rest is to is to take on another mission. The Sabbath is to celebrate. Uh, so just the fact that God would be doing something for man on the day he told man to rest shows you he works. He works when we rest. See, the Sabbath day of rest was for man, but God was working. Picture this guy running down the street with a bed made for resting saying that God had done work on his behalf. This created a spectacle and stirred up a lot of Jews. They wanted to kill him. Then, then they started talking to Jesus. They said, they said who, who, uh, who, who did this? And the guy first said, I didn't know. But then they're both in the temple. And Jesus is talking to him. He's like, man, you're looking great. You're looking, looking well. He tells him, he says, don't fall into sin or a worse thing can happen to you. But then the Jews knew who did it, right? And then they're wanting to kill him. They're, they're just so mad at him, they healed on the Sabbath. Like, what's wrong with them? It's pitiful. They said to him, it is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. That's verse 10. It's like, wow. And that, that just shows you the state of the folks in that day. Verse 16, they sought to kill him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath. See, so what I want you to know, this is not a one-and-done Sabbath miracle. That Jesus did this on purpose on the Sabbath to show people that Father God works when we rest. And I learned this from, uh, I learned this from uh, studying with uh, uh, Joseph Prince that that word had done these things on the Sabbath, had done these things, if you break that down in the original Greek, that that's something that's over and over and over. He, he, he did it on purpose on the Sabbath just to make a point that he works when we rest. Remember, Remember when, uh, remember when uh, he fed the 5,000? Remember? He made the men sit down first. Sit down. Remember Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, they're trying to cook. One of them's cooking, one of them's listening. And he said the one that sat down, she got bragged on. She got bragged on. She got bragged on. Martha didn't. Martha was complaining. She was cooking by herself, you know? Yeah, she's, she's, she's fussing. You sit down. He works. Think about it. He already fed all those people. Why don't you say, hey, would you fill my bowl with a butter beans? You know, <laughs> you, you made all those folks fish sandwiches. Make me a butter bean sandwich here. And well, he could have done that. You know, he was, in, he was in their house. All right, point two. Healing is found in the rest. Healing is found in the rest. There's another story I want to talk about. Luke 13, verses 12. There was a lady. Jesus was teaching a Bible study in the temple. And there was a lady who'd been, been bent over for 18 years. She'd been bent over with some kind of arthritis thing, some kind of spinal problem for 18 years. And he's teaching. He's doing this on the Sabbath. Verse 12 said, When Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. 
And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there's six days on which men ought to work. <laughs> Therefore, come and be healed on one of them and not the Sabbath. I mean, y'all, come on now. Come on now. And Jesus looked at him and said, hypocrite. Call him a hypocrite. The message said, fraud. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think about it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. See, healing doesn't come from man's toil or man's work. It doesn't. The guy at the pool of Bethesda was looking for a man. He was looking for a man. Now, healing will come through a man, through the man, son of man, Jesus. But healing is God's work. And you can't work for that. You can't. You can't work for that. Can't work for that. Just because this woman was a daughter of Abraham, healing belonged to her. Just because of who you are this evening, healing belongs to you. Just because of who you are. That's awesome, isn't it? That's awesome. In Exodus 15, 26, it says, I am the Lord who heals you. You ever heard of the names of God like Jehovah Jireh? You ever heard of that? There's one called Jehovah Rapha, R-A-P-H-A, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. Rapha is a Hebrew word that means to heal, it obviously means that, but also means the relaxed. Think about that. The relaxed. The relaxed. Think about that. So healing comes by being at rest, not working. Now here's something real special the Lord told me. Anything, any additional required sacrifice only stands to reason that the original sacrifice that Jesus did wasn't enough. I've, I've, I've heard people talk about, I mean, I just, I just I've, 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 I'm not going to say this. I'm going to be real careful how I say it. I've, I've, heard, I've heard someone talk about how their son, young son, passed away. And I've also heard, heard this person talk about how that, that that was God's will. And it's just not. And uh, it's got to be God's will because so many people got touched through that. Okay, I'm not saying they get touched through that. But if you're saying that that had to happen, that then Jesus' stuff was not enough. And his stuff was more than enough. What Jesus did was more than enough, and it requires no additional man sacrifice. If you remember my, my, my review, the priests were in that mode where they never could sacrifice enough. But one, one sacrifice by one man, the man, Jesus, is more than enough. And you adding to it, by thinking down deep inside, you got to work and toil for it, pretty much states that you don't think it was enough. That's what this rest is about. That's the thrown attitude. That's resting in what he's done. All right. Any of y'all feel me? Point three, we're knocking this out. This is a good in here. Don't wait for everything to be well before you rest. How about that? Think about that. Think about that. Don't wait for everything to be well before you rest. Notice God did not say wait 
until your enemies are made your footstools, then rest. No, he said rest first. Uh-huh. Rest first and sit until I make your enemies your footstools. Think about that. Because we just want to work. We just busy. Just want to just do something. Let me just do something. Let me just do something. No, he said you sit and you rest and you wait and you watch. See, does circumstances dictate your level of rest or does God's word dictate? Uh-huh. We're so humanly wired to rest only after everything in our lives are the way we think they should be. When will we realize that there's never a time? <laughs> there's never a time. Think about that. I ain't being negative, but there's never a time. It's kind of like when you think you're old enough to have kids, it's too late. You know what I'm talking about? You know, because you're young, starting out, you know, I'm not ready to have kids yet. You just got to jump in there. You know, you just got to get in there. Uh, we kind of kid about Daniel being kind of a child, my youngest, he's 15, and being the child of my old age, you know. And we're just so thankful that we're not having to raise another Jesse, Mama. We're just so thankful. Or better yet, let me just say it. He's probably listening. He'll, he'll hear this. Or some little cutesy girl that looks like her mama. You know, <laughs> I just be, I don't, know if I, got, I don't know if I got it in me. I'm glad I don't have to find out. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Terry? Yeah, some little boy crazy girl that looks like my wife. Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. So when you feel, when you feel like you're ready to raise kids, it's about time for grandkids. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So if you ever think it's going to get to a point in your life where, oh, okay, I think I can rest now because everything's okay, it's not going to happen. It's time to rest in spite. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. Let's break that down a little bit. Uh, Ruth 3. This is just kind of, I want to show you this. Just listen to me. Ruth chapter 3. It says, then Naomi, which is Ruth's mother-in-law, said unto her, my daughter, shall I, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? Huh, think about that. Think about that. Notice she looked first for the rest. Then after finding the rest, it would be well, not the other way around. We'd be trying to, we'd be trying to make things better in our lives before we seek the rest. See, seek the rest in spite of things not going the way you want it. See what I'm talking about? Fear not, lest you enter into this rest. See, the only thing he said fear in the whole Bible is that you not enter into this rest. See, okay. This is really good. Lord showed me this. Psalms 23, verse 2. He says, it makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me to beside the still waters. And it goes on to verse 5, that God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now think about this. Think about this. Green pastures and still waters. Terry, I think you know about this. Uh, I've watched so many hunting shows. It's usually around the green fields and the watering holes. That they, that, <laughs> think about that. Green fields and watering holes where the water is still, still waters, is where the predators are. Think about that. Think about that. In other words, you, you don't go hunt in a thicket. You go hunt in a green field. If you was a lion or a tiger or a bobcat or something, you want to you go where there's food for your prey. You see? You're not going to go by rushing water. You want to go by where the water's still. I'll tell you, the alligator be right there. You watch them shows? Man, uh, I'll be hollering. No, I'll be telling the wildebeest, don't cross right there. The water's too still. No, they're going to, oh, we got him, you know. But that's true. But yet God prepares a place for us in the midst of our enemies, a table so we can dine. That's what he says. See, most, most people, most people say, Lord, I'll eat and celebrate later, you know. 
after the predators are long gone from my picnic. Think about that. See, is God waiting till the enemies move on and leave our presence before we get to eat and relax? No, he's not waiting on them to leave. He expects you to eat and rest in spite of the resistance. In fact, he says in Psalms 110 rule in the midst of those enemies. Rule in the midst of those enemies. See, we're supposed to eat now. And know that Father God, as you're, as you're at the table, he's got your back. He's got your back. He's looking out for me. And he'll kill any predator that approaches. He'll make them a footstool. All of our enemies are already conquered, and he's just waiting to prove that. See, that's the whole deal. That's the whole deal right there. And see, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. The giants were, giants were afraid of the children of Israel because of their God. And what you don't realize, the demons and the devils and the mess that's bothering you, they're afraid of you because of your heavenly Father. They're afraid of you. Bullies don't like to be embarrassed. Bullies don't like to be exposed. Bullies don't like to be bullied. And they're afraid of you, whether you know it or not. And that's what Father God is wanting you to rest. Last thing I want to talk about that. Remember in the Bible, Mark chapter 4, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat the ship, so it was now full. And Jesus was in the hind part of the boat, asleep on a pillow. So Jesus was resting, and the boat was filling up full of water. He was resting. You know, and the disciples, they were all freaking out. They woke him up, care us not that we perish. He's like, no, you don't realize I'm resting because I heard my father say we're going to the other side. Where is your faith? You didn't see what I do when a storm picks up. Show me. Stop the storm. Of course, he did it. He, he stopped it. And he says, look at this man. Even the winds obey him. No, he was resting. He was, he was pure resting. Point four, it's time to rest now. No matter what's going on in your life, rest now. Rest now. That's what I keep hearing the Lord say. The Lord asked me to read this. Let's see if you recognize this. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field, there was nothing attractive about him and nothing to cause us to even take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people would turn away. See, we looked down on him. Some even thought he was scum. But in fact, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things that was wrong with us. See, we thought he brought it on himself. That God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. That ripped and tore and cursed him and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment. And that's what made us whole. Through his bruises we get better. By his stripes we get healed. We all like sheep who've wandered off, gotten lost, done our own thing, gone our own way, but God has piled all our sins, everything we've ever done wrong on him, piled them on him. He was beaten. He was tortured, 
But he didn't say a word. Like a lamb to be slaughtered. Like a sheep being sheared. He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried. And he was led off. And did anyone really even know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare. Beaten bloody for the sins of all people. Yeah, they buried him with the wicked. Threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he never hurt a soul or said one thing that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along to crush him with pain. The plan was that he'd give himself as an offering for our sin so that he'd see life come from it. Rest, life, rest, and more life, and more rest. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Turn to somebody and say, I'm God's plan. So I'm God's plan. If you didn't recognize, that was Isaiah 53 in the message translation. Words are beautiful, man. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why we can rest. So you say, how do we take up a throne attitude and rest in all of this that we just talked about? Well, he said, I was talking to the Lord. I said, so give me something. He said, read the next chapter. It's Isaiah 54. It may sound strange, but this is it. Seeing barren woman who's never had a baby. <laughs> Fill the air with song. You who've never experienced childbirth ever in your whole life. You're ending up with far more children than all those other childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. Wow. So a woman that's never had children, that's wanted them, he wants her to sing? Huh? Well, he said don't wait till everything's okay before you get her in your rest. You see this? Because things are okay. Jesus has made it where things are okay. So see, being barren is a picture of the curse. On the outside, everything may look good. Everything may look okay. But on the inside, nothing is working. And nothing is working out like it was planned. This is someone who has not experienced the results that they were hoping for. A barren woman. Things have just not worked out as promised. Genesis 9, 7 says to be fruitful. So we have to stop waiting for ex external situations to keep us from by faith rejoicing in what God's already done. This is how you enter into rest. Just think if the children of Israel had just made it toward those giants, just took out, took out toward them. Just like Joshua and Caleb wanted to do all those years ago, just let's head, let's head toward them. The fear, the fear would have overwhelmed those giants. I believe they'd have killed their own self. They'd have fought each other, or they'd have run off a cliff. They'd have, they'd have abandoned their promised land had they stepped up and did what God told them to do. So where can we get us some of this rest? It's my last point. And it's eight o'clock. We're getting there. Everybody's heard of Matthew eleven twenty eight, where it says Jesus talking, "Come to me." All you who are heavy laden, and what will he do? Give you rest. He'll give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. His yoke is easy, his burden light. He says, come and I'll give, learn and you'll find. I tell you, I, if you read the Message Bible, you need to read the Message Bible. Uh, I, it's just the words on it are, are, are just beautiful. It, it's just awesome. That same scripture in the message says, are you tired? Come on now, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? That's what it says. Jesus talking, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. This right here touched my soul. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. How about that? Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep some company with me and you learn how to live free and lightly. So you go to Jesus and you'll find that rest. Anything Jesus has done for you, you can bank on, man. You can lean on. You can count on. Just like the barren woman who's supposed to sing, right? Huh? Someone who, it ain't well yet. What's what I'm saying? Fake it till you make it? By faith, rejoice. By faith, sing, oh barren woman. Uh-huh. You're going to have so many kids, your tent ain't big enough. And you say, I don't want no kids, but you might want to birth a promise. You got things in your life you're hoping to see happen. You got, you got children in your life you want to see come to God. You got career choices. You've got dreams. You've got things you want to do in your life, right? Being fruitful and multiplying, sure, it has something to do with having kids, but also has something to do with just being fruitful in your life. Anything you touch, Father God wants to prosper it in your hand, right? That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. So go to Jesus, and you'll find your rest in him. Man, watch and learn how he does this thing called life. It's beautiful. Just watch how he rests. He sits, he rests, and waits knowing that he's accomplished everything the Father has asked him to do for us. So we've got to do our part. We've got to do our part because we're in Christ. We're in his right hand, and our part is keep the throne attitude. Rest in his accomplishments no matter how things look. Don't delay any longer. Sit back and watch your Father make every enemy your footstool. Stand with me. Father, we thank you so much for this night. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for showing us, Father, that you have a plan and you have a way of escape and you have a way for us to walk away from any trap, anything the devil would have set before us. Father, I thank you right now for the anointing, Father. I thank you that we hear your voice and the voice of a stranger we won't follow. Father, I thank you for speaking to my brothers and sisters, Father, when they get by themselves, that you'll show them, Father. You'll show them the truth of your word. You'll show them particular plans that you have for them. You'll show them what they're to do, the next step they're to take in their life, Father, to get them to their wealthy place, to get them to their place of rest, the place of position, the spiritual location that you have for them, Father. You'll show them the next thing that they're to do, that they won't go left when they're supposed to go right, and they won't go right when they're supposed to go left, that they'll walk in the footsteps, the righteous plans that you have ordered in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all.
Appreciate y'all.